Come then in Titus and chapter 1 and looking together at the 6th verse and the start of the 7th verse today, thinking of the elders' domestic life. And I've got to preach this in front of my family uh, today. On making an application for any job, the prospective employer is interested in your experience relevant to your application. So, for example, if you applied at some point for a job in the parks department of the council, they were interested not only in the GCSEs that you had, the A-levels you achieved, the university course that you maybe were on, but also in any relevant experience to the parks department. So perhaps you had set up a a little business uh, when you were a teenager of cutting grass for your neighbours and they'd be interested in that. Perhaps they would even seek references uh, from those neighbours considering your timekeeping, your reliability, your attention to detail. All of this would help them and be relevant to their decision on your application for such a job. And it's this idea that we're thinking of in church today as we talked to the children about of choosing someone to lead in the church who has already had experience in that area. And interestingly, in this passage, the experience is not exclusively as a deacon, but rather the experience is of the person's leadership within their family. The sixth verse focuses in on this qualification for the eldership. Perhaps as you think of the people you might vote for, up to four, on the 9th of October, you're thinking of men who have never been elders before. And you wonder what kind of elder will they be having never tasted that role yet. Just to take a chance. Just hope for the best. Just trust it will work out all right. Hope they will rise to the challenge. Definitely not. An employer wouldn't do that. We're directed in verse 6 to the relevant experience a potential elder has. Although they've never been an elder before, yet he has experience of overseeing the spiritual well-being of those in his own family. And his behavior in his family gives to you an indication of how he treats others, how he manages and cares for his family will be reflected in how he will care for the congregation. And so the elder elect has had and should have had experience in this type of spiritual management before. You're to ask yourself, well, how has he got on at that? 
So there's three aspects of the domestic life of the potential elder. Advanced, devoted, and pastoral, which are emphasized in the sixth verse. So the potential elders should have an advanced domestic life. You see how this sixth verse is held together by the same phrase in verse 6 and then at the start of verse 7. If anyone is above reproach, verse 6, and then in verse 7, an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. The phrase means not be able to accuse or reprimand. It cannot mean that the chosen man is perfect. Else there'd be none elders at all in the church and, and all the elders would need to resign after the minister. We're not perfect men. The men to be chosen are not expected to be perfect men. Only Christ is fully blameless and we hide in him. Nonetheless, it has to mean something. At the very least, we must be able to say of the potential elder, he's a good husband, he's a good father. The phrase that's repeated above reproach opens and closes this focus on the domestic life of the elder. And it's emphasizing that it's in this particular area that the man is to be above reproach. We're not thinking of his workplace here. We're not thinking of his hobbies here. We're thinking of his domestic life. This phrase is like the front door and the back door of his house. And it takes us inside into the man as a father and as a husband. As a father and as a husband, is to be a good father, a good husband. Because his behavior in this area is most relevant to his work as an elder. While this verse is focused and the verses that follow on an elder, yet what is described here, as we'll see in our studies, is to be true of all Christians. That all Christian men who are married with families should be good husbands, should be good fathers. So what you're looking for 
in the potential elder is someone who has a good level of Christianity. This phrase, the phrase is in this sixth verse. Do not mean that necessarily the man has to be married. The phrases here do not mean necessarily that the man has to have children. But what it's saying is this. That if he is married. And if he does have children. Then he should be a good father. And a good husband. Above reproach. So you're sitting there and you're saying, well, I don't know what sort of father or husband some of these men are. I know their name. I know their address. But not their domestic situation. But it must be possible for you to have some knowledge of the man as a husband and as a father, if this is set down as an important qualification. Impossible knowledge of the potential elder would be his bank balance, his IQ. But it must be possible to gain some credible, accurate amount of knowledge of the man as a father and as a husband. And I would suggest that you actually know more about them than you think. You might have three or four men in your mind that you're beginning to think you will vote for on the 9th of October. Start thinking about them. About their relationship with their wife, with their children. Think of them as a husband, as a father. They also suggest try and find out. I'm not advocating a Spanish Inquisition style of investigation or holding a glass to their outside wall when they're sitting down for their tea or buttonholing people out there on the street after church or tapping their phones to listen into their conversation or starting surveillance of them around their house and hobbies. But what I am saying is Don't vote in ignorance about their domestic life. Talk to the man. Ask about his children. They're to have an advanced domestic life. To be above reproach. The matter is far too important for you just to guess or to take a chance.
But secondly then, and we're coming to the the nitty-gritty of these verses, devoted. The husband of one wife. The phrase does not mean, as we've said, that the man you choose has to be married. Nor does it mean that he's never been divorced or widowed and remarried. But it does mean that if he is married, he has only one wife. That he's not a polygamist married to someone in Belfast and someone in Donachadee. But the Greek narrows it even further as to what it means. And it's in there in the ESV footnote. The words mean a one-wife man. Or a one-woman man. And so the idea is more than that the man is married to one woman. It means that he's devoted to that one woman. He doesn't flirt with other women. He doesn't see a blonde or brunette beauty walking down the street and whistle at her or turn to you and say, would you look at that? Instead, he's devoted to his wife. He's a one-woman man. He praises her. He values her. He doesn't tell you her faults. He defends her. He loves her. And we can all see the sense in this, can't we? The wife is the person the husband is closest to. He shares a house with her. He shares a bed with her. He knows her strengths and her weaknesses. And if a man can live in such close proximity to his wife and still value her, be devoted to her, appreciate her in sickness and in health, in riches and in poverty, stay faithful, then that is the type of man you need as an elder. Session is privy to many dark secrets in the lives of members of this congregation that you don't know about. We see people on beds of illness doubting the love of God. We encounter marital problems and family troubles. And you need a man who even though he knows the most about you and the worst about you, will still love you. No matter how much sleep he loses, how many visits he must make, how much criticism he might receive, how many disappointments he encounters, Who will be such a man? The one woman man. He won't walk away from you. That's why Donald Trump would be a terrible elder. He stops loving his wives. 
He's no commitment to them. And how do those men that you're thinking of treat their wives? Are they gruff towards them? Dismissive? Do they humiliate them? Are they terse with them? Are they devoted? Respectful? Supportive? You watch them. Listen to them. For the way they treat their wives will be the way that they will treat you. Advanced. Devoted. And thirdly, pastoral. And his children are believers. Now my job uh, here as the teaching elder is to, to faithfully convey to you the meaning, the application of God's word. And it's a really challenging job to, to try and, and do it objectively and submissively to God's word. And as we come to this phrase, I assure you that it's very difficult to convey the exact meaning of it. And I think there are three levels, legitimate levels in understanding this phrase and applying it to our current circumstances. Some of you might insist on level one. Some of you will be comfortable with level two. Some of you will recognize level three where I will be. But I set out the levels of interpretation here and perhaps some of the difficulties of holding some of these. But it's so important for you just to grasp what's been said in this crucial phrase. The first level then is, as the English Standard Version translates it, and as you might perhaps easily understand it, his children are believers. And we all agree this is the ideal this is what we would want and this is what we would love. An elder elected with children who are believers. God has heard the prayers of this man for his household. He has used this instruction at family worship. As he has taught his children to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. His care of his family is, is evident, not merely in their education or their advancement in work or their success in sport, but in the spiritual development and progress of his children. The ideal situation. But I would encourage you to contemplate the comments of John Gill, the predecessor of Spurgeon in London, as he comments on this phrase. And he brings us as Calvinists to consider divine election in relation to this. What if God in his sovereignty had not chosen every child of that potential elder? And as we think of this phrase, we have to connect it to God's sovereign electing grace. 
This is the ideal interpretation and application. But it's not always there. The second level or way of looking at this is paying attention to the footnote in the English Standard Version. His children are faithful. They don't oppose coming to church. They don't profess to be believers. But he has instilled in them a level of fearing God and reverence for his word. Perhaps the children are three years old or four years old or five years old. They are young. Such a man cannot be ruled out of becoming an elder. His children are faithful. They are not making a public profession of faith yet, but they are faithful. They are sympathetic. They are involved in the church. They are attending with him at the services. The third position, and and that may apply to some of the men that you are electing. The third legitimate understanding of this, I think, is a man who has diligently brought up his children within the church, within the fear of God, with family worship and example and influence being brought to bear upon him. But they're 18 and above now, and I'm putting the number 18 on it. You might put it up to 21, but they're, they're adults now. They're, they're 18 or they've left home. And they've no interest in Christ now. Can such a man be elected to the eldership? I think he can. The word debauchery used in verse number six, it refers to drinking parties, sexual immorality, excessive use of food and money. If his child is guilty of that when at home under the age of 18, living within the authority of his father and mother, that then such a man should not be elected. He's not managing his household well. But if the child is over 18, moved away from home and living in that way, the man has done all he could in praying, guiding and encouraging I think he can be elected as an elder. This word debauchery in verse number 6 is used of the prodigal son in Luke 15. Could we have voted for the father of the prodigal son in an election of elders? I think we could. A man of virtue a type of God the Father. And so if the man has diligently cared for the spiritual needs of his children when they were at home, even though now they have rebelled, he can be elected. Their lifestyle grieves him. He continues to rebuke them for their lifestyle and pray for them. He doesn't excuse them to you. The key point here is, does the man show concern for the spiritual needs of his family? 
Does he desire that they love Christ and walk with him? Does he rejoice in their faith or does he bemoan their unbelief if they are over 18 and moved away from home or moved away from home? He's not indifferent to their spiritual state. And this is an important quality, isn't it? The work of the elder is not about sorting out Lower Mary Street. The work of the elder is not about meeting any needs within the congregation in this financial crisis. The work of the elder is looking after the spiritual condition of the members. And you've got to ask yourself, is this man any good at that? How does he care for the spiritual needs of his family? If he's a young family, does his children have a good Bible knowledge? Are they regularly with him at the church services? In verse 7, elders are described as stewards, managers. How will we know if they will be good managers in Christ's church? We will know by how they have managed the spiritual condition of their family. Advanced. All of us who are husbands and fathers admit our failings. The Bible commands husbands to love their wives, wives to be submissive to their husbands, children to obey their parents. Husbands, our hearts and eyes have wandered at times. Wives, you have been insubordinate at times. Children, you have been disobedient at times. Their only salvation and security is found in the sinless Jesus Christ who loved his bride with perfection and purity who cares for her and nurtures her. Devoted. Some of you are called within your marriage and family to care for those who have deep illnesses and troubles and financial challenges. And in those times, Christ who cares and loves and sympathizes with the needy and with the weak is especially with you in your task. Pastoral. The current elders seek to care for their families. They be known any waywardness. They rejoice in any progress. And they recognize that, that all parents in the congregation have similar challenges. And so we have the young adults and the Sabbath school and the CY to support the work you are doing within your family. Advanced, devoted, pastoral, found perfectly in Jesus Christ, should be found in every man, and must be found in good measure within an elder.